from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hola amigos y bienvenidos a Talking Catholic. And I said it in Spanish. I hope uh, our host doesn't get mad at me today. What? No, I, I never mind that. Although I, I have a feeling some of our podcast listeners may have gone, wait, did I tune into the right podcast? What just happened? Well, this is because we have, you know, a special celebration this month, a special uh, event, and I wanted to set the tone right for that, Mike. So welcome one more time to Talking Catholic. How are you? I, I am personally very good. I hope our listeners are very good. And yes, this is actually one of my, uh, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, certainly something that I've become uh, far more proficient at since I've come to the diocese and, and, that, and mostly the uh, Hispanic and Latino culture, which, you know, in the Catholic Church, certainly here in South Jersey, we spend a lot of time focused on and for good reason, because the, the Latino culture in South Jersey is so vibrant and it gives us a lot of great opportunities to really showcase the Catholic faith. You know, not just how it has sort of a Latino flavor, but also how all of the cultures of South Jersey can, can sort of integrate into the Hispanic ministries that we have in, in South Jersey. And one of the things we're doing is one of my favorite events, which, which is the diocesan, the annual diocesan Hispanic Mass that takes place on the 25th this month, right? Yes, that's October. right. I'm very excited about that. Plus, we're, we're going to put this out just at the tail end of... Uh, Hispanic Month, which is an unusual uh, month, and then it starts on September 15th and goes to October 15th. Yeah, so, we, we want to let our listeners know how much we value uh, the Latino community in the Diocese of Camden. We have a bishop who speaks Spanish, in case you guys didn't know, and he loves Latinos, so I feel so loved in this diocese. And uh, we have more Latinos than Anglos in this table today, Mike. So I'll be I, introducing. I don't mind being, don't mind being over, uh, you know, overrun with Latinos. I love it. <laughs> so with us, we have today uh, Andres Arango, who is the Bishop's Delegate for Hispanic Ministries in the Diocese of Candem. Welcome one more time. Hello, Marianela. Hello, Mike. You know, it's a, a blessing to be here, you know, to be sharing, especially in, in this particular month, the Hispanic Heritage Month. Thank you so much for the invitation. It is great to have you. And with us also, we have uh, Mariani Sayas, who is the Director of Parish Services at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception here in Canada. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here with you, Marianela, and Mike, and Andres, and to share the love that we all have for the Latino community and, and being able to represent our culture is fantastic. We're I happy concur. to have you. Yeah, it's it's really something that when, you know, the, the Latino culture has been here for decades, of course, and longer than that, actually. But um, with the arrival of Bishop Sullivan, who has a deep love and appreciation and, and has been among the culture of the Latinos since since literally his, his priesthood began in 1972, when he was sent to... What was he sent again to? Uh, the Dominican Republic. To the Dominican Republic <laughs> by his cardinal at the time to uh, to really, t um, you know, he was just a young man who was in his late 20s, early 30s, and his cardinal sent him down there to really understand uh, Dominican culture in particular because uh, there was a large Dominican enclave in New York City that he was going to be sending Bishop Sullivan to, but also to really become good at the language, which, as you know, Marianella, Every year I say, I'm going to learn Spanish this oh, year, Mike. and every year I fail miserably at it, 
So I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> you, you, you're getting better, I have to say. I understand. I will admit, uh, because we do so much work with, uh, my department does so much work with some of the Hispanic ministry programs, I do watch everything, and I am going, oh, I get what's, I know what he's trying to say. I get it. <laughs> I couldn't say it, but I get it. Um, but now I got to get it, I have to get into the, the saying it part, because, the, you know, the thing as a communications professional that I think it's important in my department is, you know, that we need to be able to speak to all cultures, right? And the immigrant right. population in general, but the Latino population specifically, um, is something that I think every diocese needs to make sure that it's doing a good job of communicating out. Fortunately, in my department, it's almost been made moot by the fact that Andres does such a great job with all of his communications. He's now gotten into video production over uh -huh. the last six months, and he's creating these great videos on the Hispanic Ministry mm -hmm. Facebook page, which I really love. They're, they're outstanding. Thank you, thank you, Ma, you know, and, and thank you for all the support of the Office of Communication because I think you know, always, I, I'm happy to know that you are watching the videos and now, <laughs> now I have to be more careful what I say. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but no, thank you so much, you know, and I think that is beautiful here in the diocese that really is the department uh, is seeing how we can serve uh, the Latino community, not, not just speaking Spanish because I think one important thing is about the culture, you know, I think yeah. it's not just to speak the language but, but really to, to touch the mind and heart of the people in each culture and it's a challenge for us in the latino culture because you know we came from different countries and it's very dif different how we bring a message to uh, somebody from dominican republic from puerto rico from colombia uh, i think we learn every day also inside the, the latino culture yeah so l last last um you know week we had a dr ospino or like you know a few weeks uh ago uh, in the show and he was explaining to us about you know the state of Latinos in the church in the United States today we have you here representing the Diocese of Camden and I want to hear from you um, how is the, the Latino community represented in the Diocese of Camden like like how many do we have um, and, and you know how do we look like in the diocese yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a very diverse reality here in the diocese. Uh, let me first uh, about the different countries. You know, still, you know, the last statistics that I was reading is like 51% are Puerto Rican. So we have a, a large population. The, the majority, I, I would say, you know, they are from uh, Puerto Rico. Of course, from Puerto Rico, we, we have different realities. We have second and third generations that they are, you know, more here into the culture. But it's very interesting, especially with the with the challenges in Puerto Rico, with the hurricanes. A lot of people, they are newcomers. They have been new coming to, to our diocese. Uh, and after that, I think the growing population here in, in the Diocese of Camden is, is the Mexican community. Uh, probably a, a, around 23% of, of the population in the diocese, the Latino population, they are from Mexico. And after that, we have a very diverse group. You have, you know, some people from Peru, Colombia, El Salvador, Dominican Republic, you know, different uh, areas. Uh, but the other thing I, I think uh, about the, the socioeconomic level, we have a, a really big difference also. Uh, here, you know, in in Camden or the cities around, you know, in Camden County, uh, you know, we're like the suburbs of Philly and, and we have a lot of people, you know, working in, in different areas, you know, in Philadelphia. But if we go in the middle of the diocese, like cities like Bridgestone, uh, Milbin, uh, Byland, uh, sometimes, you know, I, I go to the farms there and, and you think that you are in Mexico, right? you know, literally. I remember I went one mass with Bishop Sullivan and because we were driving, it's not if they put me something in my eyes and put me there 
where I was thinking that it was in Mexico. There's a lot of farm workers, you know, people uh, from the rural areas. And in the short area, we had more, you know, uh, people more professional. We have a lot of professionals that they have been here for more years, that they came especially from South America. So I, I need to say, you know, it's, it's very diverse. It's a, it's a richness that we have here in, in South Jersey uh, from different countries, but also from different realities. That's great. And, and, you know, that's something that um, I've talked about on the podcast a couple of times, but it's also something that I, I think bears repeating that, you know, oftentimes we, we lump um, a culture together under this banner of Latino or Hispanic. But the truth of the matter is, culturally, each of these, you know, the Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, they have very different perspectives, different outlooks. Um, they interact differently. They have different holiday celebrations. You know, uh, there's often this philosophy out there that that Our Lady of Guadalupe is, you know, it covers all of the Latino territory. When in reality, for for many years, it was primarily a Mexican holiday, and it's yep. since sort of grown out. But um, but it was the Mexicans who really had that deep affinity for Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I think that's an important uh, distinction to make that when you're when you're talking to a person that you're just general as as an Anglo like myself, when you're talking to someone who just, in your mind you're thinking Latino, you really need to go down one step further. Am I talking to a Dominican? Am I talking to a Mexican? Am I talking to a Colombian? I pointed at Col Mexican because I, I actually don't marry not marry any. What is your uh, <laughs> I background? I am Puerto Rican, oh. <laughs> so right. I'm, in, I'm in the majority. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but but I'll tell you, yeah, I always made a point to, you know, I always make sure to remember that Andres is Colombian, you're Dominican, I will now remember that you're Puerto Rican. Um, and, and I think it really does, it's a distinction that's important when you're having a conversation about Latino culture as, as an Anglo, that you really want to make sure you're, you're understanding, right? Yeah, no, it's completely, I think the term Hispanic is only here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So when we speak in other places about Hispanics, they... They understand what we are saying, but not the concept. Because, for example, I'm going to say I'm Colombian, Mariana is going to say I'm Dominican, I'm Puerto Rican, my wife is going to say I'm Paraguayan. Uh, really, we came here together as uh, Hispanics. So it's, it's very important to understand that part of the culture. But I think also it's beautiful because here in this country, we, we are immigrants. You know, by the way, also the uh, uh, immigration reality is very different because we try to put all the Latinos in the, in the same box, you know. Uh, and of course, we need to understand the different realities. You know, it's a blessing people from Puerto Rico. They are U.S. citizens, but we have so many of our brothers and sisters that they don't have uh, documents and they live a different reality. We have a lot of people from South America that they came with with worker visa professionals. So, so I think still inside of the Latinos, we need to be uh, sensitive a, a, about that. But what you say, my is, if I remember I used to live in California, and in California, everyone thinks if you speak Spanish, you are from Mexico, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I think it's, it's very important uh, uh, to know where we are coming from. But at the same time here, we, we are only one family because, That's you know, true. we speak Spanish and I think it's also beautiful that we recognize us as Hispanics or Latinos. And that's the beauty of our Catholic faith is it, it does cross all cultural borders. And I think that would help us as well to remember that, that, you know, when we're talking to no matter who are and whether we're talking to our Polish communities and Irish communities and Italian communities, as well as Puerto Rican and, and Dominican and, and, uh, and Colombian, that uh, at the heart of it all, we all have the same faith in Christ. We all have the same belief in the power of the Holy Eucharist. These are things that we need to, to remind ourselves and sometimes our neighbors that uh, we're all Catholics together. Yeah, when we reach out to like, you know, to people in, in, you know, in our churches, it is beautiful that, you know, even, you know, in, in parishes where we have high percentages of uh, Latinos, 
we we try to like get to know each other to get to know you know what do Colombians do for that what do Dominicans do and, and you know kind of like interact in a way that uh, make us learn about the different cultures because as Andres has been mentioning um, even though we're Latinos it doesn't mean we're the same we eat the same we dress the same or, or we do the same things and even within the faith and how we practice um, you know there's differences and we learn from each other so that's a beautiful thing and um, I would like to bring Mariani to the conversation and hear from her what's been uh, your experience working with the immigrant community at the cathedral in a local level. It's definitely a challenge. Um, I think it's a challenge for any community that's very diverse uh, to make sure that they get the same amount of coverage when they do their different events, right? I know that that's a concern sometimes that I get a lot is, um, you know, we want this promoted, whether that's the novena to uh, Our Lady of Divine Providence of Puerto Rico or whether that's a Mexican uh, event. So I think for anybody who works at a parish level that has to juggle so many different communities, um, it's a challenge, but it's a beautiful challenge um, because you get to be that person that creates that unity within your your parish. Um, and to listen to those concerns, you know, um, Andres talked a lot about having that sensitivity of being able to listen to people's concerns and what they what it is that they as a community value and they want promoted and they want people to share that to share in that and i think that's where a lot of that comes from is our desire to share our culture and ultimately our faith and how we how we pray and how we worship and that's the beautiful part of working in a diverse community at the parish level that's that's um, you know um, I'm with you in that. And it's, you know, uh, one of the things that I always like to sort of like mention is that um, being Latino, it's, it's, you know, such a, you know, it gives happiness to people, I think. And I'm biased because I'm Latino, so, right? <laughs> and, and also, like, you know, when we have a lot of Latinos in our communities, it is embracing them that, you know, brings happiness to the parish as right. well because uh, we're happy people and um, like to get the attention that way. We're, like, our events, I don't want to call them, like, the Dominican event or the Mexican event. I always sort of, like, want to call them, you know, it's a celebration right. of all. You're all invited. You're all welcome to learn of each other and uh, do the things together. Um, so what's been your experience in terms of that, Andres, on how you try to uh, make sure that everybody who is in the Latino community of the Diocese of Canton feels that, you know, we are all welcome and it's for all? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think we need to be open to, to, the, to the move of the Holy Spirit in the, you know, in the different cultures, in the different realities. Uh, and as you mentioned, Marianela, I think when we, doesn't matter if you know, we have a, a, a Dominican celebration or, I don't know, Argentinian celebration, doesn't matter if we are not from that country that we can go and learn and to celebrate together. And I think we have been learning a, a lot of things about that. And, and it's very interesting because I, I think also here in the United States from the Hispanic community, they are merging a, a new expression, a new popular religiosity, new celebrations. You know, for example, in Christmas, uh, different countries, they prepare for Christmas different. You know, Puerto Rico, they have the parrandas. Mm -hmm. uh, Mexico, they have the posadas. Uh, in Colombia, we had uh, la novena. Uh, and it's very interesting because they are nine, most of them, they are like nine days before Christmas. 
And now, some places, now you don't know what is it, you know, because they have something from <laughs> Colombia, Puerto Rico. Uh, uh, and I think that is, that is beautiful, is, you know, that is. that is beautiful in that kind of sense. As you say, sometimes in our ministry, it's a challenge sometimes, and I think Mariani was expressing that because probably we have, I don't know, we have a retreat, um, you have the musicians that probably they are from a particular country, and probably the kind of music you know that they are playing is no very universal. I put an example. I remember when I arrived to the U.S. and I was in California. I went to a prayer group, and they were again most of them from Mexico. And I was used to the prayer groups in Colombia. So when I arrived to the prayer group and they had this music ministry. You know, I couldn't pray. I was, you know, for me it was impossible. That was not connecting me with God. But after six years, when I moved here, you know, and now they were more like Puerto Rican, now I, I, I start to miss that Mexican because in mm -hmm. those six years, I was in culture, in that culture. Mm -hmm. uh, again, for example, about food, you know. In Colombia, I used to say, you are crazy. How do you put a spicy to your food? <laughs> now, after six years, I miss to eat a spicy food. Because I, I think it's, it's beautiful way. I think we need to be open to enter into the cultures, to learn from them. And at the same time, a Hispanic here to create new new traditions, you know, in our faith, but also in, in our culture. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny to, to hear you say that. Is uh, I think, you know, I. I mean, I, I've already stated the fact that I don't speak Spanish, and it's a great tragedy in my life that I don't. Um, but what I do do is eat a lot. And um, you know, one of the one of the, you going going back to what uh, Marianella was saying about sort of like the joyousness, right, of the of the Latino culture, which is not to say that Anglo culture or, or any other form of these cultures isn't joyful. But as someone who goes to a lot of masses myself, all through the diocese, generally when the when the bishop is saying a mass somewhere, I have to admit the Latino masses are always joyous. They are people up and up and dancing, and there's a lot of clapping, and it's and, and it's always a packed house. Um, and even to the point of I've gotten this is something that kind of blew my mind was just how many people had selfie sticks and were live streaming the masses back to their either back to their households where their where their uh, grandparents were couldn't leave and this was pre-covid times or back to the home country so that they could see mass going in on in the United States in the United States <laughs> and it was it really kind of blew my mind and and what it told me was that I really had to open my mind a little bit in terms of what I was used to at say a an English mass versus a Latino mass and what you know, like anybody else, the first time I see something, I, I kind of am taken aback by it. I'm like, this is, I'm not sure this is for me. And the more often that I went, I was like, oh, man, I love this. <laughs> Which is why, you know, I'll bring up again, you know, in South Jersey, there's a special mass going on on October 25th. And Marianella, what's it about? So, um, so it's, uh, I think I'm going to let Andres describe it, uh, the Celebración Diocesana Hispana, Hispanic Diocesan Celebration on October 25th. And um, I would like for you to describe it a little bit, Andres, and what do we do then? And then, uh, you know, Mariani and I would talk about our experiences going to uh, this beautiful Mass. Yeah, of course now during this uh, pandemic it's going to be a little bit different, the, the celebration. Uh, but I think we start this kind of celebration, I don't know, probably uh, nine years ago. Uh, I remember it was the, the 75th anniversary of the diocese. I don't know, about eight, nine years ago was the, the first celebration that we had with the uh, uh, Hispanic community. And that one was very interesting because you were, I think it was my who was mentioning about the different uh, devotions to, to, to the Virgin Mary. And that was beautiful because we have a procession with the different 
different devotions to the advocations to the Virgin Mary in different countries. It's not just Our Lady of Guadalupe, of course, she's the imperatrice uh, 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 of, of the America. Uh, but this country and was beautiful. I, I learned a lot. I learned, for example, Uruguay, like the Virgin of the Territory. I didn't have any idea. Still, I need to, to read that. The, you know, uh, that was the first one, and, and we tried to use a, a different uh, topic or, or theme. theme for for a, a different year. And what we want to do is is a celebration. Uh, we are only a, a diocesan family. We are not just belonging to a parish. Uh, we don't belong only to a, a particular apostolic group, ecclesial movement. As the Diocese of Camden, we are on one family also. And I think this is the opportunity to come to, uh, with our pastor, uh, Bishop Sullivan, uh, to celebrate together, to celebrate. We, you know, we have, uh, usually we have a teaching, we have the mass, we have some, some food because we need to have food, you know, uh, with the Latino celebrations. Uh, usually we have, I don't know, probably near 1,000 people to each of these celebrations, but of course this year we cannot do that. Basically what we are doing this year, uh, each parish, they are going to send a group of around, you know, seven, eight people representing their own parishes. We hope that, you know, the priests will come, bring in some, some people from their community, and we are going to do a live stream, you know, thank you, uh, my and, and your office, because they are going to be... Uh, Great their, quality. <laughs> yeah, good, good quality, exactly. Uh, live streaming uh, uh, the mass. I want to invite all the listeners, you know, you, you are invited. It's going to be October 25th at, at 3 p.m. Uh, you know, uh, Bishop Sullivan will celebrate the Mass. And now we are, uh, again, the, the theme for this year uh, is concentrated about hope, about hope. Uh, usually, you know, in, in November, uh, we celebrate also, uh, we talk about, about hope. You know, Advent, all that part. We want to to begin since October uh, speaking about hope, and, and the theme is our hope is in the Lord, God of life and justice. Uh, I think we choose the hope connected with life and justice uh, for different reasons. Uh, right now, we are in a very particular moment in this country. Also, you know, with all all what what is happening with, with racism, and I, I think we. We need to be a prophetic voice also that all of us, we are uh, uh, sons and daughters of God. We are sons and daughters of God. Doesn't matter where we are coming, you know, doesn't matter what is our culture. Uh, and also to, to celebrate life, uh, to respect life. Uh, I think it's gonna be a, a, a moment now with, with the COVID-19. Uh, we have some people that, Latinos, that they have their family in their own countries. And some of them are, are died from the COVID-19, and I didn't have an opportunity to visit them, not just in other countries. We have people here that have family in New York, Florida, and they don't have the opportunity. So I think it's going to be a, a, a moment, a, a, not in sadness, but a moment a, to celebrate about hope in Jesus that doesn't matter. We could, couldn't see them in the last moment we are going to have. We are going to be together uh, uh, in heaven. That's basically, you know, that, that is going to be the, the, the thing. I'm sure, you know, Bishop Sullivan will be a, a very powerful homily, uh, encourage the Latino to have hope in the Lord in, in these difficult moments for our country. That's beautiful. And for those, um, you know, who want to know, so the, the, the slogan for this year is, Our hope is in the Lord. God of life and justice, which is a beautiful uh, phrase to have, especially now uh, during these difficult times of COVID-19. Now, um, you know, from a, an insider perspective, you said like, you know, we've done this for nine years now. Um, 
in the diocese, right? Um, so how many have you participated at, Mariani? All nine. All nine? I've, I've gone to all nine. Wow. I've gone to all nine. And yeah. what's been your experience? Like, you know, what? which one has been your favorite one out of all those years? The first one really stands out. The first one really stands out for me because I think uh, that uh, devotion to Mary um, that Andres was talking about, um, to see everyone represented in their country and their devotion to Mary uh, was really unifying. And it, I actually looked up some more, like, oh, so I can have a devotion to her too, you know, <laughs> under her different titles. Um, so that that first one, I think, was a really was really powerful, and that's what kept me coming back. Um, it really is like a big family reunion. Um, Every time that I go, it's so great. I have friends from St. Monica in Atlantic City. I know some people from Hamilton. So I know some people from all over. And so when we see each other, it's just that moment of like, hey, how are you? We haven't seen each other in all year. Um, so it'll be really great to see some familiar faces. And we know, you know, due to COVID that it's limited. You will be missed. You know, the presence of, of people will be missed. But uh, you're in our prayers, our hearts. And we hope that, like Andres says, that you do um, join us in prayer virtually um, when it is live streamed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you remember uh, last year's uh, celebration or the, the year prior was the one with the, the candles. Yeah. That was a very special one. Yeah. I, uh, you know, really enjoy that. And I remember, Mike, uh, you were there that I day. Was, yes. And uh, remember, you were very impressed by how many people were there. Uh, can you share your, your experience well, on that? It was it was particularly impressive because it was, as I recall, it was a little rainy outside yeah. and, and it was a little cold and nobody seemed to care. It was... Um, and many hours. And many hours. It is a, it, it is a, it's a stretch. It's by the time you leave, it's dark outside, no doubt about it. Um, but but <laughs> yeah. as with all things, you do things exactly right because you know, here, here we have this wonderful religious ceremony followed by a procession uh, after the mass. Uh, but most importantly, followed by food after that. And really good food and a whole heck of a lot of it. Um, and, and for me, as someone who has a, an appreciation for red beans and rice, there's a lot of red beans and rice there, and it's, it's delicious. Um, and it's, I think it's also the reason uh, Bishop comes every year, not just because of his devotion to, <laughs> to, his, to Hispanic culture, but he knows he's going to be really well fed because it's not like tiny little amounts of food. We that take you're care getting. of him. Yeah, it is. That. You, give a, you give big amounts of food to everybody, and it, it's delicious. You know, by, by the way, we were in, in a meeting with the Latino priests and bishops, yeah. you know, informing about the event. And of course, we say, no, I think we are not going to have food with all the. And bishops say, no, I want food. It needs to be food in any way. We will see. You figure out, Andre, how we provide food. It is great. And, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like, it doesn't matter if you're not of Latino descent. You should really go anyway because, it, now, it's always a packed house. That's that. the one nice thing, you know, the one begrudgingly nice thing about doing a uh, live stream this year is that everybody will be able to watch it. So, because it, it is a packed house when you go. It's standing room only. Um, but it's it's so wonderful and so uplifting, and, and I always have a blast. I mean, last year, you know, myself and one of the other photographers who were there, I mean, we're just sitting there going, it's for us, it's a target-rich environment because everybody's smiling. Everybody's having a great time. Everybody's so exuberant. There's clapping. There's dancing. The procession at the end with the candles, We I got so many outstanding photographs out of that that, that you really – it's not just that it's joyful, it really captures the joyful spirit of our Catholic faith, which I think sometimes is in very short supply. 
Um, so in that regards, considering everything we've been going through in COVID times, I'm really hoping we're able to capture that when we, we live stream it on, on October 25th. I'm sure you will, Mike. Well, let's hope. Uh, <laughs> October 25th at 3 p.m., it'll be on Facebook Live, it'll be on the Diocesan YouTube channels, and it'll be on Twitter as well. So all of the all the diocesan areas and also be on the hispanic ministry uh website as well or yeah. facebook page as well that's right and um you know just moving on a little bit from the diocesan celebration i want to be a little bit more personal now and ask you um a few questions about you know it is hispanic heritage month with uh you know here in 2020 and um you know i just want to ask you how do you feel being latino in the u.s uh today and you know what are you proud of these days of our Latina community? Yeah, no, no, several things, but I, one thing that I feel proud to be Latino as, as your question, I think the Latino community is a, a prophetic voice about the family, about the family, you know? Uh, and I learned that since the beginning when I came here to the, to the U.S. I remember it was, I think it was one of the first classes in, in the university I was taking. And I think I was the only Latino in, in, in that class. And the professor came to me, a very well-known you know, theologian, uh, and he told me, you know, I always surprised about the Latino community. I say, why? He say, because you don't leave your house until you get married, you know? And you never are thinking to put your parents in a nursing home when they are older. He mm -hmm. say, you fight each other who is gonna take care of your parents. And I never thought about that, you know. I remember also when we moved here to the U.S., my brother, you know, he was younger. He was 17 when we arrived here. And one day he arrived at home, you know, in shock. He said, one of my classmates told me that he's going to be 18 next month, and his parents already told him when he's planning to move out of the home. Yeah. And, you know, when the professor told me that, I said, okay, really, the, the, the Latino is, is, is a prophetic voice regarding the family. Especially right now, you know, not just in this country, but around the world, uh, that the family is in crisis, that there are several attacks from the society uh, uh, to the family. And, and it doesn't mean that, that we are the perfect family. I think Paul Francis, you know, he's Latino, he's from Argentina, he understands the, the concept of family in Latin America. And he said, it's not because we are the perfect family. We, we have a lot of mistakes, we have a lot of problems in our families, but in some sense we always want to be together, we want to be together. So I think one, I, I feel proud is, you know, a, 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 the, to be Latino about the prophetic voice about the family. Probably as Mike was mentioned about the celebration in Mass. You know, when we go to mass, we want to go as family. You know, we in the Latino community, you see grandparents, parents, children, and sometimes, you know, doesn't matter. There is a lot of noisy because we want to we want to to celebrate together. We want to to be together. And I think we as Latinos, we are called to continue being a, a prophetic voice regarding the the family, the searching the unity of the family. That's great. And what about you, Mariani? Um, I definitely am proud to be Puerto Rican and I'm proud to be American. So it's it's so great to be able to have these two cultural backgrounds at the same time and that there is no, uh, for me, there's no fight, you know, that the, in, in me I can be equally Puerto Rican and I can be equally American and, and, and love those two, love those two. And I know that especially, you know, uh, we might have like second or third generation Hispanics listening or more English speaking Hispanics that they are part of that, our, our culture too, uh, as Hispanics. So to me, that, that identity um, is very important to me to, to represent both. And, you know, Andres talked about the family and 
uh, how they are a prophetic voice. And as Latinos, we are a prophetic voice, especially for hope, for joy. Um, during this time in COVID, uh, you know, working at the cathedral, I've gotten phone calls from people uh, when they needed several things or sometimes they just wanted a prayer or to talk to someone. And every single time that I talked to a Hispanic family, they were always like, que sea lo que Dios quiera. Let it be what God wills it to be. It was never, even in the midst of them telling me like, you know, we needed groceries or, you know, we went through this struggle or someone, you know, in my home country died from COVID, like Andres mentioned, it was always such a powerful statement that at the end of our conversation, it ended with hope. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's what we are, uh, what I'm most proud about our community is that despite the the struggles and and sometimes the, the, the fights that we can have, you know, like uh, whether that's politically or because whatever's going on, at the end of the day, it's like, come over, we're gonna have coffee and just let it go, you know, at the end, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're gonna get over it, you know. At the end of the day, we, we put this emphasis on family and on unity that, that gives me hope and I think gives a lot of people hope during this time. That's fantastic. I, I I do agree with that as well. Like you know, just um, there's there's so much God in in the Latino community. Like you know, we have uh, the words of faith included in our faith embedded so much that we don't even know when we talk about you know about then. I don't know if you have the same experience and dress, but you know, it's like um, God is in our vocabulary since we're little. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think? Yeah, no, completely. You know, I'm from Colombia, we say always Ave Maria. You know, Ave Maria. You know, everyone understands what Ave Maria means, but for anything, we say Ave Maria. That's my, for example, if you hit, you say Ave Maria. You are happy, Ave Maria. And, and it's, it's, bendito, you know, yeah. the Dominicans, you know, in different places we have that yeah, I had an experience with my daughter. Like she, she's five now, and I remember like one day, like one of her teachers said she says uh, God a lot, and it's like you know, I think they were getting offended by the way she was using the word, and it's like totally a Hispanic thing, you know, to to do that, and it's like oh Dios mío, you know, like oh my God, and it's not like you know swearing. It's it's more like you know it's it's embedded in our in our vocabulary, and we want to use God instead of bad words and that's how what we teach our children like instead of like cursing or doing mm -hmm. things you know saying things you shouldn't say always put god first and that's what we instill in our children so um it's a good thing to learn and to know uh especially for people who don't understand you know a lot of the cultures so that you know you don't get like you know misinterpreting the way we use the yeah, words it's good what you say you know again talking about culture you know i i'm the proud parent of, of twin daughters. And I have been learning from them a lot because, you know, I, I am an immigrant. I came here yeah. to this country when I was like 25. And I learning a lot about them, about the American culture, you know. And what you say, one day, uh, one of my daughters came at home and said, hey, daddy, you say, we cannot say, oh my God. You need to say, oh my gosh. Say, because uh -huh. we, you cannot mention God because that is bad. And she was telling me, and, and I understand, you know, in the American culture, but for us Latinos, it's, oh, my Dios, is the, <laughs> the most normal thing. But this is very interesting. I'm not saying that one culture is bad or the other, but yeah, no, yeah. I think both are right, but uh, talking about Hispanic heritage months, how we need to, to, to understand the different cultures, the different realities. Sometimes also in the same vocabulary, you know, in the in the same how we express. I remember, let me mention one, one time, I was in a supermarket, you know, I think in, in English we say also, uh, uh, God bless you, but I was in a supermarket uh, and I sneezed, you know, and somebody told me, 
Jesús te ayude. I was in California. Jesús te ayude. Jesus help you. Help, help May you. Jesus help May you. Jesus help you. And I arrived at home. I was single at that time. I used to, to live with a Mexican friends. And I arrived home, you know, like laughing. And I say, you know, in the supermarket, I think, I don't know, that person told me, uh, you know, may Jesus help you. And I, I was surprised because, and they were, you know, silent. Andres, that is the way as Mexicans say when somebody, because in Colombia we say uh, salud. Salud, oh Dios te bendiga. Uh, exactly, yeah. but as you salud. say, you know, uh, this in different culture, how it comes, but, but we use the, the name of God for, for everything, and not in a, in a bad sense. I yeah. think it's always connected with, that, with the bank. That reminds me, I, I used to work for a predominantly Jewish law firm uh, several years ago. And um, the topic of God didn't come up a lot, but occasionally it would, it would come <laughs> up in, in our work. And my boss was um, a very devout Jewish woman. She, was af she asked me to review something. And so I'm reviewing it, and I kept, I kept saying this, how she referred to God in this very unusual way. And so I finally went to her, and I was like, listen, uh, I, I can't tell if there's a typo or you're trying to do something, but you keep putting G-D instead of writing out God. You keep forgetting the O. And she's like, no, no, that's, that's what we do in Jewish culture. It's in, in, my, in her form of the Jewish culture. They don't write out God because they consider it to be um, un, unfair. You know, yeah. you, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't stay because they're very careful about, about the name of God. So, so when they write it out, it's G-D. And, I was, and I, I, it blew my mind. I was like, it didn't even occur to me that that, that would be something that would be offensive to a, to a Jewish person. Anyway, it's these little tiny things you learn as you meet new people and do new things that I think help to inform us that, A, all of our cultures have some peculiarities, which, you know, we should all appreciate, and B, but there are reasons for those peculiarities, and if you dive a little deeper, you'll find out what they are, and it's not something to mock, it's not something to get upset by, you know, for instance, the use of God and, and you know, in a culture, because I'm the same way as, a, as an American, it's like when my son says, you know, does something wrong and goes, oh my God, I'm like, because we look at it as taking your name in vain, whereas in Latino culture, it's more like proclaiming it for right. God to, to, to come and him. Invo exactly, invoking, invoking God him. to come and help. And uh, But these are important little distinctions that you only find out about if you interact with other cultures. Because if, if you stay within your own culture all the time, and I'm not saying that people need to go out of their way to involve themselves, but you shouldn't be afraid of it. Like, I mean, I'll admit it, for as, as a member of the Anglo culture, oftentimes you'll hear uh, white folks like myself will say, oh, I don't want to go to a bilingual mass because I'm not going to understand half the mass, or I'm certainly not going to go to a Spanish mass because I'm not going to understand any of the mass. I tell people now, no, no, you got to go because it's a new experience. You're going to see things you've never seen. You, you know, I think Marianella said it earlier, you know, Latino masses may be a wee bit noisy as compared to, you know, Anglo masses. And I think there's a joy in that. You know, when, when my wife and I were dating, or I guess maybe this was right after we got married, we went camping in Gettysburg and... I ended up getting ill Sunday morning, so we couldn't go to the first couple of masses in, uh, in Gettysburg. So we had to go to the last mass of the day, which was a noon mass, and it was a Spanish language mass. So we go, and kids are running up and down the aisles, and everybody's sort of chasing after everyone, and the mass is going on, and the Latino priest is completely, like, not even noticing it. And the thing was, nobody else was really noticing it either. It was like it was like you'd gone to a family party and there just happened to be a mass going on. And I remember for the first five minutes, I was like, "This is weird." 
And then, but once you got into it, I was like, this is great. I, I can't wait to have kids. I'm taking them to the Spanish language classes because I, I will be totally chill. This is yeah. great. And so, I Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think historically that comes to, and I, I can speak for Puerto Rico. I don't, I'm not much of a traveler, but I know that um, in Puerto Rico you have your small capillas in the barrios, and then you have your big, you know, oh, yeah, temple yeah. in the in the in the one town. Yeah. So for big celebrations, people would then see each other maybe once a year, and I'm wondering if that has a lot to do with how we interact when we see each other in church, because you know you go to small. It. You know, when you're in your small community, you see each other all the time. But then when they would have their big celebrations and then come to the one local parish, the, the bigger parish, that's when they would all see each other. So I just I, I think it's interesting how some of that has translated to, to here where maybe things aren't as far away. But culturally, you're still thinking, hey, we're seeing each other again, even though you see each other every week. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, it's like um, I think Hispanic priests in our diocese are also like, you know, um, because a lot of them are, you know, from the culture, so they really understand uh, how, you know, the, the Latino families that come to Mass are uh, very welcoming and trying to make them feel uh, very connected to, to, their, to their parish, to their pastor. I remember, like, you know, one of these weekends I was in Mass, and there was a child who's screaming a lot during the Mass, and, you know, the mom tried to, like, get out and, and you know, uh, she was looking a little bit like, you know, desperate to calm down this child. And at the end of the mass, I uh, just remember the priest saying, you know, I always applaud these moms for bringing the children to church and making sure that, they, that they're that they here and that they start to learn. Because, um, you know, a few years from now, those little children, they're going to learn how to behave in mass and how to, you know, uh, answer to the prayers. At this point, like, I've always uh, taken my, my little ones to, to mass since they were born. And I feel so much joy when I hear my daughter praying the Our Father uh, mm-hmm. during the like she loves the interaction parts of the mass. So like she loves uh, you know the sign of peace, and you know now it's it's a different feeling because of COVID, of course. But um, she always loved you know doing the sign of the peace and praying the Our Father, and she sings her heart out when there's a song that she knows, and she's like, I know this song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know it is important to take them, and I think it is uh, also you know uh, so so good to hear as a mom, you know that your children are well welcome, and I think uh, there's there's so much beauty in that and teaching them early, right, Andres? Yeah, no, completely. And, and, and again, the concept of family. And as you say, I think our Latino priests, especially the ones who are immigrants also, uh, they understand the reality from our countries. And for them, uh, we are not saying that we don't need to educate our children at mass. No, we need to try, as you say, the best that we, we can. But at the same time, I think the, the priests, they are very sensitive to that reality. I remember also in one mass, I, it was one time, and where all these children and, you know, the moms start to get a little, uh, you know, a worry also. And one of the priests called all the children children in front, hey children, come on here, sit down here. And they didn't speak the rest of the mass because they feel, but, but you know, but they feel part. And I think that reaction for that That's piece, cultural competence yeah, right there. I know, but for me it was amazing because you can have the opposite reaction. Okay, take them out, and as you say, probably the parents are never going to come back to mass neither. But this priest mm-hmm. was the opposite. Okay, what can I do to uh, uh, to engage them? But I think as you say, uh, we as parents, we need to, to educate our children how 
to learn how to pray, how to have that relationship with God. And it's beautiful. I see my daughters, you know, of course, they learn how to pray in Spanish because we at home we just speak Spanish. Uh, uh, and it's beautiful, you know. And now when they learn the, the prayers in English, now they, I, I learned St. Michael the Archangel in English just like six months ago because my daughter now <laughs> wants to pray in English. But I think it's that kind of, of beautiful connection of them to, to enjoy those moments. And I'm going to motivate, you know, not just the Latinos, but all our listeners, you know, don't feel afraid to, to, to bring your children, you know, yeah. at mass, to pray with them at home. I think now this COVID, this pandemic, has been a beautiful moment also uh, to have like like the family uh, as the domestic church. You know, we need to take time to pray with our children when we are going to have dinner, where we are going to have lunch. If we are driving in the car, you know, I driving in the car to the school. The first thing that we do, hey, five minutes prayer, spontaneous prayers, and they feel that connection with God. I think that we as parents, we need to be evangelizer of our own children. I think the, the challenge sometimes. We depend only in the in the church, you know. Say, okay, I'm gonna bring the, the children that they can learn how to pray, that they can learn the religious, uh, you know, education uh, 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 in the parish. But the reality that happens is at home, and, and I think I just want to invite the, as an example of Latinos how, how we do all the listeners, you know, take advantage of this moment that we are at home with our children to help them to to grow in a in a personal relationship with Jesus. It, it is it is personal and I think you know you you're very right on that I think uh, we love to pray with our children get them involved into the singing into the the you know praising the Lord and um, you know they learn at an early age and they don't feel afraid of, of doing that when they get older because it's, it's more difficult as they get older so I think uh, you know the time is when they're born start praying with them right yeah. um, Andres um, I think we have um, you know a conversation pending about the fifth encuentro yeah. um, this is um, for for the listeners it was you know a big celebration and they've been doing it for years now where uh, we went to Texas back in which was the year 2018 2018 um, it was 3,500 people around that number that gathered in uh, Texas and celebrated you know the church and the and the Hispanic presence presence in our Catholic Church and I was proud to be one of the, the delegation that was there. Mariani was also yes. uh, one of the members that went. And uh, you, you took us there with our bishop, and we are very grateful for that. Tell us where we are in terms of the fifth encuentro process, and maybe describe it a little bit uh, for our listeners as well. Yeah, sure. You know, we are almost like to the end of the process. Uh, this was not an event. Uh, it, has been a process for, you know, I think since 2016. And this is a process that was initiated by the Conference of Beaches of the United States. You know, I, I remember in 2013 was a conversation when they say, hey, we need to have a new encounter. You know, encounter is a encounter, because they have been like, again, this is the fifth encounter. The first one was in 1972. Uh, and, you know, we have others in the 80s, 2000, but has been, you know, almost uh, 18 years without having an encuentro. Entonces, the bishops say, you know, the reality of the Latino community, the Catholic Latino community here in the U.S. is very different. Entonces, they invite to have this process of the fifth encuentro. That basically is a process, I would say, of, of four years. You know, before 2016, we have some preparation training, 
But I say in 2016, we begin the process. You know, Archbishop Nelson Perez, who is now here, you know, our neighbor in, in, in Philly, he was the one who was in charge of that before he was in Philly. And he described the fifth encuentro is like, we are going up to the mountain. And the top of the mountain was Dallas, you know, in 2018. Dallas, yeah. That's basically we were doing, uh, and we were going like up to the mountain because we had we begin from the grassroots. This is very important process. It was no uh, like from top down, like the beach of telling the Latino community what we need, what we need to do. Mm -hmm. No, it was a process of, of listening. The people in our communities, what are the needs? What are our expectations from, from the church uh, here in the United States? Then we start uh, since a parish level, we have like more than 200 small Christian communities here in our diocese in late 2017. And each parish came with their own priorities, the needs, how we can serve the community. After that, we have the diocese and encuentro as in, in the fall of 2017. After that, we have a regional encuentro. We went to, to Trenton, all, all the dioceses from uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And after that, we went to Dallas. You know, in Dallas in 2018 was a big celebration, uh, also a process of listening, and they publicized a, a document uh, with the results of the fifth encuentro. Because now what we are trying to do is, is to see how the different parishes, how the different dioceses are responding to these needs. Again, this COVID-19, you know, they put everything <laughs> aside. We were supposed, you know, remember in April, of, yeah, of us, we yes. were supposed to be in Trenton, like in, in the post uh, fifth encuentro. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, I think all this uh, quarantine began like one month before that. And we were supposed to have like an in-person post fifth encuentro here in the diocese. You know, we were gonna do it this day, October 25th. That was the expectation to have. That's basically, we just have, you know, a, what, a week ago, uh, we just have the virtual post fifth encuentro. That's basically, and I think, uh, you know, my all these people from communication from the USCCB, they develop like an app and in that app, you know, the diocese register, and we had presentation from the nuncio, uh, from different bishops. They were a meeting with uh, uh, bishops, with young adults. And also we have a moment together uh, as, as Diocese of Canden, where we see, okay, how we are responding, what are the best practices uh, in the different parishes. And I think, again, as a process that will be like the end of the fifth encuentro. We went up to the mountain, going down now to the Paris level. Uh, but in some sense, it's not the end, because I think we have all these uh, really good things, not just the needs, but best practices, what is the best way to respond uh, to the Latino community. I know now from, from the uh, Conference of Bishops, uh, they have a plan to develop a national pastoral plan for Hispanic ministry. You know, usually it's a process that takes a couple of years, uh, but I think that is going to help also to know the reality of the Latino community here in the U.S. You know, every day I hear different statistics. I don't know if, if Hoffman mentioned any statistic, you know, when he we did. talk with him, but probably we can say now the majority of, of Catholics in the U.S. Uh, uh, are Latinos, uh, and I think it's very important how we uh, respond to that different realities. However, I think one of the big challenges, and, and we need to continue working with that, is uh, the second and third generation of Latinos. You know that, mm -hmm. it, and I always say, Hispanic ministry is no ministry in Spanish. 
Hispanic ministry ministry, sometimes in Spanish, sometimes bilingual, and sometimes ministry in, in English. And, and I think all this process of FIFA Encuentro has been helping us to respond to That's that. great. And, um, you know, I, I would like to hear Mariani and how, like, you know, uh, was your experience with the Fifth Encuentro since, like, you know, you were part of it since the beginning as well? I was. I, so we started at the parish level, and I think it's, uh, it's really important to emphasize how organized it was, how everything, the materials that were given to us, the way we did it at the cathedral, we used the Fifth Encuentro, all the materials that were given to us um, as a way to uh, prepare for Lent. So we did uh, small groups. We used the materials given to us to kind of go through some questions and to prepare our community to evangelize, which is the whole point of the Fifth Encuentro process was to, uh, what are the needs and how do you address those needs through evangelization and through uh, contact, to co contact with real people in the community. Um, so that's how we implemented it at the cathedral. And I know it's gonna embarrass him, but Father John at the cathedral has been amazing. He was also there at the Fifth Encuentro with he us was. in Texas. Um, and to have his support, has been so meaningful. We're actually meeting next Tuesday with myself that went to the Fifth Encuentro with another representative that went to the convocation in South Jersey and someone from the Pastoral Council. So we're meeting together to see how things were implemented between those two events and what are the things that we are doing moving forward, what needs to be done better, how things can be implemented in a different way, what's worked, what hasn't. And so to have that kind of support um, from your pastor, from someone who um, gets it, from someone who understands what the process was like, was there, and um, wants to hear that voice is, is, is amazing, is amazing. For me, the Fifth Encuentro definitely, uh, it changed me. It, it definitely has um, made me realize how diverse the Latino community is in the United States and how we respond to things in a different way. So that was so great, meeting with other young, young adults and other leaders in the community and say, well, how does it work in, in Texas? How do you do this? Or how does it work in California? And getting those ideas and being able to implement them uh, has, been, has been a great uh, blessing to us. Well, that, that's, um, I think, a great way to sort of like get the final touches for the podcast today. Um, it's, you know, definitely great to be part of this wonderful Latino community of South Jersey here in the Diocese of Camden. We are very proud of our bishop and all the work, uh, you know, he has pushed uh, to be done here in the diocese so that the Latino community is not only welcome, but it's also included and it's also integrated into everything that's been done uh, diocesan-wise, Mike. Oh, I would agree. You know, um, Bishop Sullivan uh, turned 75 in March and put in his uh, resignation to the Holy Father. Who knows when it'll be accepted? It could be tomorrow. It could be two years from now. Um, but I, I know that um, one of the things that he's proudest of was the, what he was able to do to support uh, the Hispanic ministries in, in the Diocese of Camden. And truthfully, you know, we do a lot of recordings with Bishop, and the times he's happiest is when we're, he's doing his Spanish language recordings. He becomes the most animated. He becomes the most joyful. He loves it when Andres is there. He loves it when Marianela is there, because we always have these two there just to make sure his Spanish is right, because like any Anglo, he doesn't get every word right. You two <laughs> have always been good about letting him know when uh, things go a little sideways. Mm -hmm. But um, but I think it's I think he's a fine example of someone who grew up as an Irish Catholic in you know the Bronx, 
and here he is, you know, now, um, you know, working with these for the entirety of his his as uh, time as a priest he's been working with these latino cultures and loving every second of it and if if a, a good irish catholic from the bronx can do it i think i think we can all do it yep so thank you everybody for listening and uh, we'll catch you all again next week bye everybody thank you our bye. guests god bless